yeah you know and it's just kind of like well this is that like that's kind of the platform is like get your name out there tell us what uh, your reasons are and right. um why would anyone want to get in the local government yes okay. yeah <laughs> yeah what's I'll explain why i'm not completely insane <laughs> yes exactly yeah Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Go Be Wyoming. I'm your host, Aaron Gray, and today I have a special guest, Tom Kelly, running for the City of Sheridan uh, Council Member spot. Um, Tom, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Absolutely. Um, so, Tom, we were kind of talking off air a little bit. Um, kind of tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, are you from here? Are you from Sheridan? Um, and uh, what got you interested uh, to run for City Council? Okay, well, let's, yeah, let's go right for the soft underbelly of my campaign. Um, I'm new to Sheridan, uh, and I knew that. I had a discussion with uh, Mayor Miller a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I was already on the Planning Commission, and um, I had seen that there were several spots open on the City Council. Um, I wondered how bad of a job it could be that they had that many openings and that few candidates at the time. Um, so I asked him about it, and he, he said that maybe I, I could make a run for it. But that was initially a concern that I've only lived here about a year. Mm -hmm. And I, I wondered if a lot of people would be a little more territorial, you know, born and bred, Sheridan, no carpetbaggers, no outsiders. And uh, he, he said, well, you, your, your values are really in line with, with the people of this area. You made a good choice in deciding to move here. Um, I can live anywhere in the country. I telecommute. Okay. So I'm the uh, department head of political science at American Military University. Okay. So I intentionally chose Sheridan. Mm-hmm. We, um, I said before, we've, uh, not here, we fled the uh, People's Republic of Illinois in 2010. Okay. It, it was, it, it's worse now if you see it in the news, but it, it was going downhill. And uh, we'd always loved Northern Colorado. Mm -hmm. So we, we moved out there in 2010. Um, during that time, um, I, I got a full-time position in American Military University as a full-time instructor. Okay which was great. Yep. That same year, uh, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, and I already had, you know, had six children all together and we had pretty much just packed up our lives and moved out there. So all our friends and family and support system were back in Illinois. Right. Um, made some new friends, had some great people in the community of Northern Colorado really came together, uh, like George Gray, Pirate Radio, um, put fundraisers together for us. But during that time, my focus became 100% keeping my entire family alive and afloat and, and together. I, I looked at statistics of what happens to families. Which even when the kid survives, parents divorce more often than they stay together because of the stress when you have a child with cancer. Sure, absolutely. Um, my son was born shortly after she started treatment, and he has Down syndrome. He had a hole in his heart. He needed surgery. He also mm -hmm. needed spinal surgery. He ended up having three surgeries. Um, so this is not a sympathy plan. I'm just telling you the reality of what had happened to me and why we stayed in Colorado so long. Right. We were down the street from Children's Hospital, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Saved the life of two of my children. Um, I love and hate the place. I love them for saving my kids. I hate the fact they have to exist to help kids like that. But mm -hmm. It's a reality of our world. Yep. Um, and... Uh, she came out of treatment, but during this time, uh, the bills come in. We had good Blue Cross, uh, Blue Shield insurance, um, but even still, that, that picks up about 90% of it. And when your bills start to go into the millions, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of money to be paid. 
Absolutely. And they, and they have uh, out-of-pocket costs per year were capped at something like 10, 15,000. I don't remember, but it was still, there was uh, a lot to take care of. So um, I took a second full-time position as an independent contractor at Grantham University. Okay. And a part-time position at Excelsior College and a part-time position at Front Range Community College and then a part-time position teaching in person at the University of Northern Colorado. At, at the height of it, I was teaching 16 to 18 classes at the same time. Uh, on paper, mm -hmm. I worked 24 hours a day. Yeah. But of course, I, I didn't. I worked 20 and slept for four. But um, I, I become very adept at problem solving, becoming efficient, making difficult choices, being able to make decisions uh, under incredible amounts of stress and emotion. Um, but we came out of that, everybody was intact. The family was intact. My son's doing great. My daughter's been in remission for years. And we looked around Northern Colorado and said, what happened? Mm -hmm. I hadn't been paying attention. Uh, marijuana had gotten um, legalized in 2013. And she was, not, I mean, she was bald at that time. That was the height of her treatment. My son was getting surgery. I wasn't paying any attention to the local gun shop. It closed down and was replaced with a bong shop. I mean, this, I just, my, I had tunnel vision to keep my family alive and together. Right. And after I got a chance to sit back and relax, I looked around and said, this, it's, it's a mess. It's the whole state. It's become Illinois with mountains. New gun control laws. My magazines were now all illegal in Colorado because they hold more than 15 rounds. Good luck finding a 15-round mag for an AR or an AK. Yep. And they don't make them. You have to get by a 10 then mm -hmm. to abide by it. Um, during all this time, uh, I, I get a call from the dean of the university. And I'm like, this is it. I'm fired. I spread myself too thin. That's okay. It was worth the sacrifice. I, I took care of my family. And I called the dean back. I'm like, okay, uh, what's the deal? She's like, um, your department head's stepping down. We'd like you to step in and take his place. I'm like, you're promoting me. <laughs> yes. Are you interested in the job? I said, how bad are things? She said, what? How bad are things that I'm your best choice? Because I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, you've been doing a fantastic job. We think you're the most qualified and most level head, and you can do this type of thing. So that's how I became the department head. Gotcha. And we started looking around the country. I said, we've got to move again. Um, everything that made us flee Illinois is here. Taxes, pollution, crime, drug use, uh, an educational system that my kid comes home and tells me all sorts of crazy things, but can't tell me what the scientific method is. And, and I'm like, this is why we left the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. So I started looking around. I have a friend who lived in this area who used to live in Colorado Springs. He says, listen, I'm, I'm from Sheridan. Before I joined the army, he was a, a sniper in Afghanistan, special forces. He's like, I'm moving back to my hometown. Beautiful little area right underneath the Bighorn Mountains. Don't tell your friends about it. <laughs> you got it. He's like, come and check it out. He's like, I think you'll fit in. And we came out here and it was just like, you know, Joe Dirt seeing Silvertown. Yeah. <laughs> I even said out loud, my Silvertown, we found it. <laughs> I didn't know this area existed. I had been checking out places in Montana and Utah and some places to start over. Sure. Um, Idaho. And uh, so we uh, came out here in November 2018, first looked at it. We bought a house in March um, last year. Okay. And the whole family moved up here, and we were all living up here by July. I spent some time back in, in Colorado until we could sell the house because 
well, quite frankly, I had to make sure that uh, homeless meth heads didn't break yep. in because they were that was a problem in the area. They were squatting and yep, making homes. Yep. So uh, I spent I was spent a lot of time going back and forth. I get out here, and I thought, you know, we ran from Illinois. Hatchet. I mean, it's a mess. The weather's terrible and everything. We want to right. <laughs> and then, and then we got to Colorado, and I'm like. Some of my friends even derided me from Illinois, like, oh, where are you going to run to next? And I said, there's nowhere to go. I mean, we are in the freest state in the world. We have to plant our flag here. Mm -hmm. I, I can't let happen to our new adopted home what happened to Chicago, what happened to northern Colorado. Uh, and I'm already starting to hear those same ideas about invest in this future, do this. Uh, if you don't support this program, you don't care about X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank, children, the environment, the elderly, yep. whatever. We only care about something as much as we're willing to turn over our money and authority to a governmental power. Well, I, I have firm belief that most people are good. Uh, I, I've seen in my family's struggles how many people stepped up and helped us and got us through that and, and made sure we stayed intact as a family and as people. And I, I really believe most people will do the right thing when you give them the freedom to choose and the ability to choose to do things freely. Um, quite often, progressive ideas come in strong with got a smart plan, all the educated people with degrees. I have four college degrees. I'm a PhD. Okay, so I, I understand what's taught in political science classes. I understand when they come in with all their big ideas about centralized planning, and um, but the Results never matched the rhetoric. Right. We saw the same thing again in Illinois, northern Colorado. Property taxes go up, streets fall apart, even though the tax increase was to fix the streets. The next tax increase up for the children at the schools. Public schools are going to be horrible if you don't raise taxes. Taxes on my home in Illinois, when we sold it, were $10,000 a year for a five bedroom house. My taxes in, in northern Colorado, fantastic when we got there, and still better than Illinois when we left. But they had gone up over 100%. They had more than doubled on the house in, in just a five-year period. And every year was the same thing. For the children, vote for this amendment, vote for, for the schools, invest in our future. And the taxes kept going up, and the schools didn't get any better, mm -hmm. and the streets kept falling apart, and then the homeless people and the drug addicts started showing up. And I heard a local candidate say, what we need is a safe shoot-up place where they give up taxpayer-funded needles and you have a paid employee of the state who makes sure nobody dies from overdose. So I said, so basically a taxpayer-funded heroin party. We're leaving. And then yeah. it was like one of those things like, you guys do whatever, that's that's fine, call me on compassion or whatever, but I, this is not what I want my children growing up with. Sure. I got involved in the Planning Commission, um, as you mentioned. Um, Partially because I like to stay active in the field of government, since that's what I teach. Right. My, 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 <laughs> my degree is a double major in American government and urban politics. Yep. So I should you know, live urban politics if I'm going to teach them. Um, and then I saw the openings in the city council, and I, that's it's all kind of culminated. And just, this is where I've got to stand up for my wife and kids. Right. So the message to the people of Sheridan is if they think I could best represent them, I could help make decisions uh, to guide the future of, of the, the city, um, to not push for egregious growth, 
just for growth's sake, to not court major corporations from other states who bring with them their high-paid employees and further inflate the prices of housing out here. Um, I really think it's important that people on the city council prepare for the growth coming here. Uh, I didn't stumble upon Sheridan and get lucky. I was told this is a great place to be. The word is out on this town. More people want to come here. Mm -hmm. You see the construction. I'm on the planning commission. I know the new things that are coming in. I know the concerns of residents about the schools, the roads, the safety of children with busy roads. Those are my concerns because my kids are in the schools and they walk those roads. So uh, I, I want to make sure that this one, the city government stays in its lane, takes care of the roads and, and police and the fire department and the water and make sure the infrastructure of the city continues to be a place where people want to move to, where businesses want to move to. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really not a fan of actively courting specific businesses and dangling tax breaks out in front of them and at the expense of the small businesses downtown and not have to compete with them. Um, I guess I'll let you ask the question because I, you, you seem to wind me up and get me going. No, <laughs> no Tom, that was great. And, uh, um, I kind of wanted to, uh, mention something you said, um, which I think, uh, you know, Mayor Miller, uh, giving you that advice about, um, you know, where you align with, uh, Sheridanites, you know, uh, uh, people that have grown up here like myself. Um, I think you hit it on the, on the head there. Um, there's obvious growth. Um, like you said, people are coming here, um, you know, businesses are looking to move to Wyoming as a state in general. Um, and then obviously Sheridan, you know, the location, I think, you know, will bring them here. But um, you mentioned that the, the one, the city government needs to stay in their lane, um, which, um, you know, personally, I'll just say that that's uh, always something I like to hear in regards to the city government. But um, you said that uh, your view is, you know, we got to be ready for the growth, but not at a point where we're uh, egregious, as you said. And I think that's a great word for people out there of, you know, I understand there's growth, but we can't, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because of the place we live in. Um, so I wanted to hit that uh, back there. That was great. Um, I do want to ask Tom, um, uh, are you a former military? I don't think I asked that. And it's, I think you kind of gave it away, but I just want to. No, no, I am not former okay. military. Um, it's a brief story. I won't talk for five straight minutes. But um, when I was 18 years old, I, I got a call from an Army recruiter. Mm -hmm. And I was on the phone with him for about an hour. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, well, uh, what's the height limit <laughs> in the Army? He's like, 6'8". Why does that matter? I'm like. I'm six nine. Well, sir, I wish you'd have told me that at the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> and that was it. That was my stint in the military. <laughs> oh. So no, I never. It's, I have a grandfather, a veteran of World War II. I've got my father is uh, is Army. Um, no, not me. Okay, I just you had mentioned your friend, and I thought uh, that's where that connection was. That yeah. was the former sniper, but um, American Military University, and that's where I met a lot of people. Gotcha. Who became, uh, much more aware of an in-depth military culture is that. Mm roughly 80% of my students are active or retired military. Yep, gotcha. It, it was weird for, you know, a long-haired guy for me, like, they have some retired colonel calling me, sir. I'm just like, please call me Tom. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Dr. Kelly, I don't even like that. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> um, so what do you see as a, you know, if you do become elected as a, as a council member, um, what do you see some issues facing Sheridan in the state in regards to budget? Um, 
you know, and, and uh, do you have any thoughts or plans on, um, you kind of already said it, you know, we do have some growth, you know, um, there are people in the community that want active growth, but um, you kind of mentioned too that the state and uh, the city sometimes have some of those tax breaks or those little incentives to bring those corporations here, obviously with the upcoming budget, you know, we're not going to have those. Um, so what are your kind of thoughts on that? And, uh, or maybe do you have a, um, a plan too? Um, the, the first thing to realize is being a member of city government is what my job is and what it is not. It's not to plan for the country. It's not to plan for the state. It's to number one, to represent the people who live in this city when it comes to making decisions. The job of a city government is to make sure the city is functioning. It's, it's not to fund uh, necessarily education. You have school districts for that, or the state will do it, depending on what state you're in. The federal government will send money for that type of thing. Uh, it's not the job of the city to care for climate change. You could be concerned about those things. You can make those policies. But again, the city government is supposed to make sure the roads are aren't full of potholes and that the water pressure you can take a shower and that police show up when you call 911 and um so coming from that philosophy of what the job the limited job of a city government is uh to represent constituents and, and to take care of the infrastructure it, the first thing to do would be to look at the budget and and come at it from the viewpoint what if the state sends us nothing what if they send zero dollars? Right. How would we keep this city functioning and, and then go from there? What needs to be done? Well, we need emergency services. We have to have police and fire first responders. We, we have to make sure that people still have water coming in their home. We got to make sure the trash is picked up. These are the things and, and anything beyond the essential services of the city. If the money's not there for it, then we don't do it. Um, the reason tax money is dried up is because everybody knows the COVID pandemic, not necessarily the pandemic as much as the government over response to it and shutting everything down. Wyoming, I, I've heard people complain about Governor Gordon, uh, but this is what I tell my friends back. We're in free America here compared to what's happened in like New Jersey, New York, Illinois. Absolutely. People getting arrested for going out of their homes without masks on. It's insanity. Yep. Um, it's, and, and, I don't like the other side of it too. People being mocked if you wear a mask. I mean, that's, that's a, you need to be safe. You feel safer. That's that's your thing. But mm -hmm. we have a much higher modicum of freedom here than we do in other places. Sure. Nonetheless, we're not an island. So the global economy takes a dive. Wyoming takes a dive with it. Um, another sim. So low tax revenues is a symptom of the problem. Problem is businesses closing up, people losing their jobs, people are no longer paying taxes because they're not working. Mm -hmm. So the last thing to do is go to these people and say, we're going to crank up taxes on you. Hey, the government budget's a little short. Ooh, we can't have that. I don't care if you lost your job. I, I don't care if your business is going under or hanging by the skin of its teeth. We, we need to raise taxes. I mean, they've already done that in Cook County, Illinois. The first thing, it's our go-to. Property taxes have to go up. Yep. Jeez, why the population of the state fall again? Oh, we need to raise taxes again. I don't want to get into that cycle. Right. So for businesses to come to Sheridan to support the economy, we need to keep Sheridan a place where businesses want to come to. Mm -hmm. Cranking up taxes does not make businesses want to come here. So that's, I mean, that's an absolute last resort. I, I, I'm not some 
rock-solid ideologue who's going to be like, no taxes ever. Unearned. I mean, you have to have taxes for a government to function. Right. I mean, for the Libertarian Party's uh, voluntary the platform is no taxes. Everybody just voluntarily gives to the government. No, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a government. So taxes are essential, but they're essential to fund the essential services. And once we get to a certain point where I hear that we have a golf course that's losing money, why does this city own a golf course then? If it's great, if that's what the people want and the money is for it, then we keep it. But if we get to a point where it's like the golf course or crank up taxes on families and businesses that are hurting, well, I'm, I'm going to have to say let go of the golf course at that point because it's not an essential city service. Right. I'm glad you actually brought that up because that was one of the things I read in the press a couple weeks ago that blew my mind. Again, I, I've grown up here and I was like, we pay for a golf course? Um you right. know, and I'm yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> how, how do you tell a single working mom who's barely making it? How do you tell a business that's underwater and they're taking money out of their savings just to try and ride out the bad times that we're going to up your taxes so some guy who still has his job can have reduced green fees? It, 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 I, can't, I, can't, yep. I can't go to people and do that. Exactly. Well, again, there's, you know, you do align with uh, the shared tonight's out here. Um, well, hopefully, I mean, that, I guess uh, the city's been doing that. So, but uh, hopefully this podcast, uh, brings to light some some of those kind of issues um does anybody outside wyoming hear this <laughs> i don't know it's a podcast it's a you know because if you're outside wyoming it's a nightmare here <laughs> don't come here the, those shirts that uh, wyoming isn't real it's a <laughs> <laughs> bears and wind and guns and that's scary it's yeah stay New York. um so um Let's kind of talk about your platform. You've kind of already hit on a lot of it, Tom. I think um, you've got six kids. Um, yeah. Are all of them still um, in school here with you guys, or um... no? I am a grandfather now. My okay. oldest one is twenty-four. She's still in Colorado with mm-hmm. her uh, her fiance, and uh, you know, so a little angry at me for pulling her siblings away from her. Sure, but. Um, and she understands why we did what we did. And they're looking at, at some point, maybe coming up here too and reuniting the entire family. Sure. And get this family to come up to. So, but my other kids are ages uh, 7 to 17. Okay. So a couple of shared in high school, a couple that are going to be at um, the junior high this year. And then uh, right down the street from here, my little boy, Kane, goes there. Yep. To Metal Arc there. Yes. Yep. Um, that's where I, uh, that's actually where I went to elementary school as well. Uh, that that school is a little newer though. But, um, so, um, you know, education, obviously you already talked about it. Education is very important. Um, you kind of did mention though, you know, as a city council member, you know, uh, city services, you know, not really education because that's state, um, you know, funded here, but I mean, there is the, you could get involved, uh, with the school district, but, um, so education, you can already mention, you know, transportation, safe transportation for our kids. Um, Obviously, you know, you've got uh, five of them in the school district. So um, you're not just saying that to say it, you know, that that's what you believe in. And then, um, you know, the the kind of fiscal responsibility of the city as well, being on the planning commission, something very important to you. Um, and then, you know, just uh, you're, you know, as a teacher as well, as a professor um, in uh, political science, I mean, um, that's what you do every day. So, um, you know, uh, let's get into this uh, conversation. So you've talked to Mayor Miller. Um, you kind of asked his advice um, about running, you know, being a new transplant. Um, right. 
how do you see, um, especially in this last year, you've been here, um, you kind of saw that relationship between the mayor um, and the city council. Um, you know, how do you see um, yourself if you are elected as a council member? You know, what's your um, position in regards to like working with the mayor's office? Okay. Um, one of the first things that came up here was the creation of the, the position of city administrator. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I, and I've had discussions with this, with the mayor, with his opponents, um, and, and my general foundation philosophically is I've never seen a government bureaucracy perform more efficiently by adding more bureaucrats. That if the city of Sheridan could function for all those decades since the 1800s without a city administrator, I don't see why one was needed now. Let's look at it this way. Imagine after Donald Trump won in 2016, that the Congress decides, you know what? You don't need to worry about the government. You just go out and be a diplomat. You go talk to people. You go, you go and, and, and push our cause at the United Nations. We're going to create a national administrator who will answer to us. So we don't need you anymore. It, it kind of has that feeling. Like, uh, like the wrong person got elected to be mayor, so we're going to undercut it with the city administrator. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, that, I could be way off base on that. I, I, I was not part of the political discussions. I was not in there when that was brought up. And, and ultimately, though, when it comes to something like having a city administrator, which I am I, now I'm privy to how much it actually costs the city to, to hire more people and more staff and have pay for more insurance and those types of things. Right. Is that... If ultimately that's what the people of Sheridan want, then it's not my job to say, forget you, I know better, and, and vote it away. Mm -hmm. If you're a council member, how that affects your relationship with the mayor's office? Um, well, it, it doesn't. Um, who's ever, if it's Mayor Miller who's reelected, or if it's Council President Bridger who becomes the new mayor, it doesn't change my job as a councilman. My job is still to it's a combination of being a trustee and a delegate that the uh, people of Sheridan let me know what they think about things, how they'd like me to vote on things. Um, I, you mix it in with your best judgment that you can. Um, there are day-to-day -day business items that come up that most people don't know or don't care about. And that's where you kind of get to use your judgment almost and reach out and ask some people. But regardless of who's mayor, it doesn't change my philosophy of what the city government should be doing and how it should do it. Perfect. So the, the big difference would be whether uh, I disagree or agree with the mayor more often, probably. Yeah. And that's, that's about it. Right. And if I get outvoted on the council, I get outvoted on the council. No, no hurt feelings. I just represent people the best I can. And that's that. Yep. That I think that's a wonderful answer. And I think that's, um, you know, sorry for uh, cutting you off uh, in that uh, the other flow there with our, our program here. But, um, you know, lastly, Tom, I like to give everybody, um, you know, uh, a little spiel um, about kind of what separates you from the other candidates. Um, uh, you know, if there's anything else outside of what we've already talked about, um, you know, for everyone out there that uh, you guys have been here about a year and a half already, uh, transplants from Colorado and Illinois, um, but you've already got uh, uh, credentials, you know, being a doctorate in, in the politics um, and, uh, you know, in a, as a professor, and then you have children here as well. I think uh, 
that speaks to your platform a little bit um, and uh, your time on the planning commission as well. But uh, Tom, is there anything that you'd like to say to the city of Sheridan, um, you know, that uh, separates you from other candidates and, and uh, they uh, should consider you as uh, representing them? Well, uh, first I've met all the other candidates and I would trust any one of them to be on the city council and make good solid decisions. Mm -hmm. There's nobody out there who I'm thinking, know oh, that person better not be on the council. Um, so as far as like why I might think I stand out, I can make a high joke here if we wanted to. But, um, I would say that having come from outside Sheridan is a double-edged sword. Some people might say you don't know the history, you don't know the culture. People I already knew here say you fit right in with the culture. You know? Right. <laughs> like you just found home finally. Um, but I have that perspective. I, I've been in places like Greeley, Colorado, where they launched completely unexpected and was bringing all these new businesses and all this new development. And all of a sudden it brought in all this traffic and all this pollution and all this, you know, unexpected crime, unexpected car accidents. Um, and, and that's what I mean by egregious growth mm -hmm. is that let the growth happen naturally. It's a great place to live. When people come in here, great, welcome. Let's find you a place to live. Let's make sure there are enough houses so it doesn't cost $600,000 for a cabin. Um, let's make sure there are enough buildings so if people can't buy, they can rent. Um, and when you have a vibrant community like that, businesses will want to set up shop. Um, I don't think we need to actively, as a city particularly, the, the state can go poaching businesses from California. That's one thing. But as a city, we have to make sure that the water keeps flowing and, and the roads are working. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really what it comes down to is when I, I see these big promises that I've seen made in the suburbs of Chicago, we actually left the city first and in, in the areas outside Denver and the areas all the way up north of Fort Collins, uh, I, I see the referendums. I see the ideas for the big city, how we're going to take care of our kids. We're going to keep our town great by cranking up your taxes. They never say it that way. They say investing in the future means cranking up your taxes. Mm -hmm. So I have that outsider perspective that, well, I, my friends tell me, and I'll take it on their word, and the people I've met, I do feel comfortable being myself. I could walk around in a grunt-style shirt and not have people look at me sideways and stuff like that. Right. If I'm out riding my Harley and I'm open carrying a Glock, I don't have people call the police on me like they did in Colorado. Right. Um, so I do feel like I fit in, but I also understand that there's a lot of uh, very popular, progressive rhetoric going through our political system currently, nationally. And it, it's, it's disastrous. Defunding mm -hmm. police, uh, pushing more money for social programs. That was, I'm old enough to remember they tried that in the 1970s. And that's when the crime rate went crazy in the 70s to the 80s until finally it was like Giuliani in New York in the 90s said, oh, that's enough. And, and then the crime rate took a dive, uh, and, you know, until recently with riots and stuff like that. But yep. Yeah, that, that, that's really the spiel that, that yes, I, I make, I don't try and hide it, not originally from Sheridan. Yep. Which, like you said, double-edged sword, you know, you've got this outside perspective, um, which, you know, is, uh, as you would, uh, you would put it eloquently, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it happen to great areas, and you've seen... Little by um, little, yep. it's just a little tax increase. How selfish are you? How greedy are you? Mm -hmm. It's only this much, and all of a sudden, you're five years later, and your tax bill comes in, and it's literally 107% higher than when you moved in. And you look at the school district, it's no better. Yep. It's a, yeah. Where did it all go? 
<laughs> but they've got three new assistant superintendents who each get $300,000 a year, and they've got secretaries that make more than I do as a department head of a private university. I'm like, okay, I see where the money goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, lastly, too, is uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you um, if they have any questions or um, – you know, where can they find you too? I mean, I, I understand primaries are tomorrow. So, but, uh, you know, just in the future, if they, uh, um, want to talk to you, um, or shoot uh, you an email or I, I, yeah, I use my professional email for that one. Um, that is, uh, T Kelly at APUS.edu. Um, I don't think the university has issue with it because they're really big on us living our profession. Yeah. While we're teaching. Yes. <laughs> so th that's probably it. Um, and if somebody would like to speak to me in public, um, uh, what I look like, uh, I'm, I'm six foot nine, typically have a ponytail, sometimes I have my hair down. I'm a Harley biker. So um, if, if you see a giant biker walking through town, that's me, or a guy <laughs> in a Darth Vader costume, that's also me. I show up because I actually wear it well. Uh, so email's great, a great way to get a hold of me. Okay. Uh, and uh, if you want to get something in writing and, and and document it, but it's, you want to have a, um, an off-the-cuff conversation, you'll see me uh, at places like Black Tooth or Cowboy Cafe or... Any of the local businesses there on Maine? And right, I love the area. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate it.